Welcome to the Wordy Traveler podcast, where we'll be discussing books, travel, and everything we all love. This podcast is brought to you by thewordytraveler.com. The Wordy Traveler is a community of readers who have a love for travel and a heart for giving back. To learn more about this seasonal book club that has been featured in Oprah, New York Magazine, Travel and Leisure, Reader's Digest, HuffPo, InStyle, Forbes, USA Today, and was recently ranked by Town & Country as one of the best book subscription boxes available, please visit thewordytraveler.com. Join us in helping to make the world a better place, one book at a time. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Wordy Traveler podcast. My name is Brian Nichols and I am here in the studio with the founder of the Wordy Traveler, who also happens to be my wife and literally best friend in the entire world, Cindy Nichols. And today for this episode, we have a very special interview that Cindy conducted with Jessica Keener, who is the author of Strangers in Budapest. And Strangers in Budapest is a book that is a featured book in this quarter's Danube River Journey. For those of you that are Wordy Traveler subscribers, uh, if you happen to choose the fiction option for one of your books, then you will receive, or maybe you have received, Strangers in Budapest. And uh, Cindy, this uh, book definitely spoke to you. I could tell during the interview. Uh, you certainly enjoyed reading it. You certainly enjoyed uh, how Jessica put everything together. You had so many really good questions, which we'll uh, be hearing shortly. But uh, I think it also spoke to us because we were just in Budapest less than a year ago. And in fact, for those of you that are uh, have listened to some of the other episodes of the Wordy Traveler podcast, you've heard, <laughs> heard us talk about that in uh, other episodes of the podcast. But Take all that, put it all together, and uh, this uh, this definitely was, I can tell, an interview you were really looking forward to, a book you enjoyed, but uh, talk to us about, uh, you know, how did this uh, how, how did this particular book or interview kind of speak to you, I guess, today? Um, what were you hoping to get uh, as you were talking to Jessica? Just tell us about the experience of speaking with her. Hello, everyone, and thank you from me for being part of this episode of the Wordy Traveler podcast. And I am so excited about this one because everyone here at the Wordy Traveler really loved the book Strangers in Budapest. And we loved it for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jessica is an incredible author. And, you know, I remember with our interview with Mark Adams, he always said, the easier the book is to read, the harder it is to write. And so uh, we just appreciate her being an incredible author and really just a lovely human being and very kind. And Jessica, thank you for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate your time. And I just really enjoyed talking to you. One of the things, and mainly the main reason we chose this book was not only does it give an incredible uh, description of the city and it highlights so many sites and really the power of the Danube going through the city and the different um, historical buildings and uh, the different areas of Budapest, but really the characters themselves almost are a representation of the city. And for those of you who have been to Budapest, you'll recognize that as you 
listen to these character stories and get to know them, how, you'll see the city within them. And I just thought that was a fascinating, fascinating way to present such a beautiful city in Europe. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed talking to Jessica. And if you are a part of the Wordy Traveler community, a subscriber, Jessica has graciously agreed to lead our book discussion on the book Strangers in Budapest. And if you would like more information on how to join that, please go to our members website, thewordytraveler.blog, and you can get more information under the events section. And if you are not a subscriber to The Wordy Traveler, I highly encourage you. This has been one of our favorite journeys we've ever put together, so it might be a great time to join us. I think that is fantastic, and I will tell you, the fact that she is going to be leading a book club discussion is really, uh, really awesome, and it's so, I think after listening to this interview, you're going to want to definitely take advantage of that, because after hearing Jessica, you're going to feel like you know her a little bit, and then getting a chance to really interact with her directly is going to be fantastic, and I will just say, whether you're just loving to uh, hear from authors with different perspectives, this interview with Jessica, not only do you get to kind of see some behind the scenes on how this book was developed, how it came about, but for those of you that don't know, Jessica has also taught writing courses. And for anybody that might be listening, that might be an aspiring writer, you're going to pick up some really great tips, some really great thoughts on writing as well. Uh, Cindy, you asked such good questions uh, that, that got her to speak about stuff like that. So, there's all for all these reasons. I cannot wait to uh, to dive into this interview. Uh, this is going to be fantastic stuff. So once again, Cindy's interview with Jessica Keener, author of Strangers in Budapest, and uh, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of the Wordy Traveler podcast. And this is so exciting to me because we are talking to Jessica Kinner who is the author of this quarter's book, Strangers and Budapest. And I loved this book personally and could not wait to feature it. I read it actually right before I went to Budapest for the first time. And uh, it really just caught just the intricacies and just how special that city is. But I do want to give everyone Jessica's bio in case you're not familiar with her works. Um, but, but Jessica Keener's novel, Strangers in Budapest, was an indie next pick chosen as a best new novel by Entertainment Weekly, Real Simple, Chicago Magazine, and Southern Independent Bestseller. It reached number two in Jewish historical fiction. Her debut novel, Night Swim, was a national bestseller rising to number nine on the Amazon bestseller list. Her collection of stories, Women in Bed, was chosen as one of 10 winter reads by Shape Magazine and one of 12 best fall reads by BettyConfidential.com editors National Book Circle Critics Award winner Edith Perlman called Keener a master of immediacy. Her essay, The Flow Room, appears in the anthology Alone Together, Love, Grief, and Comfort in the Time of COVID-19, which won Washington State's Book Award in 2021 in nonfiction. 
She co-authored Time to Make the Donuts with William Rosenberg, founder of the Worldwide Coffee and Donut franchise. Her fiction has been recognized in the Pushcart Prize under Outstanding Writers and won Red Book Magazine's second prize. She was awarded a Massachusetts Cultural Council Artist Grant, a Wesleyan Creative Writing Scholarship, and was a finalist in Breadloaf's Bakeless Novel Competition. Keener's feature articles have appeared in the Boston Globe, O, the Oprah Magazine, WBUR's Cognoscetti, Coastal Living, Design New England, Writer's Digest, and many more. And with all of that, she is on the podcast today. So thank you, Jessica, for making the time for the Wordy Traveler podcast. Oh, thank you. That was a mouthful. <laughs> it is just so, so incredible, your writing and and really kind of just all of the different avenues that you've written. Um, it, mm. it is just an honor to talk to you. Okay. So kind of just diving in here, oh, Thinking of your amazing CV and, you know, just writing catalog, what inspired you to become a writer? Um, I think, you know, it's funny, too. I started off by writing poetry when I was a teenager. Um, I think it was just always words and writing in my journal. I always kept a a diary from a pretty young age in high school. Um, It was just a way of trying to articulate what was going on in the world. You know, I was always interested in people and um, why things were they were the way they were or why you know why things became troubled what were you know and so um, I think that was just my way of, of trying to make sense of things not that I've ever made sense of anything but um, that was a comfortable medium for me to do that with words and I always loved reading so yeah And um, well, I mean, thinking of coming to terms with the world and coming to grips with it, uh, I did not realize this until I read on your website that you actually very early on in your life had some health challenges, some very serious health challenges. How did those challenges shape the way you view the world and how did those challenges shape your writing? So um, just for everyone listening, I had a bone marrow transplant when I was in my early 20s um, for a a fatal blood disorder. It was called aplastic anemia. And actually, there was another weird subset of that as well. Um, And really, at that time, the only options were experimental bone marrow transplant. Um, If you had a match, a perfect match, and it turned out I did my my younger brother, I'm one of four siblings. or nothing, <laughs> 15% chance if I, if I did nothing. And I was kind of going down the tubes. So in the end, I did have this bone marrow transplant. I was in a hospital isolation room for two and a half months. And at that time in my early 20s, I was already writing poetry and some short stories. Um, you know, again, still loved words, loved, loved books. But I think with all that time in the in a hospital room, um, it solidified that I was going to pursue my creative um, aims as a lifetime um, goal. Mm-hmm. And that I, you know, in that time also thought, you know, if I ever get out of this room and survive, that I was going to do what I really cared about. Um, 
and try to stay on that path. So I would say it deepened what was already there. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it stuck and it stays with me. It's always that experience in my early twenties has continued to inform just my perspective on life as being precious and time is of the essence and not to be wasted. And since we're kind of talking about your book, Strangers in Budapest, that really comes across in your characters because it does all feel like each and every one of them are up against a time clock, whether uh, I don't want to give away the book in case you haven't mm -hmm. read it, but um, whether if it's with uh, the character who is actually coming to an end of a life and seeing his life fade away or other characters realizing that maybe the time on trying to accomplish something they wanted to accomplish is coming to an end. So that experience you have, you can really feel how, why the characters are so real and how as a reader, you really feel that, that constraint or maybe that pressure in those characters' lives. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah, there, there's an, uh, an emotional urgency. And I guess that that's what I'm attracted to in general when I'm writing is what is compelling a character to make certain decisions or choices and why are they in a certain setting or what, what is their situation? And, and that's intriguing to me. And of course, in Strangers in Budapest, we do have an older man who's a main character um, who is who is ill and concerned about finding the truth about his daughter's death, untimely death. Yeah. Um, so. And it really is a compelling narrative. And I, and I kind of loved, and sorry, I'm kind of getting off topic. We had a list of prompts we were talking about earlier, but the for those listening, but one of the things I really liked was the juxtaposition of kind of how he felt like he was decaying. And, you know, Budapest is really beautiful, but it is, um, maybe not as well kept up for many reasons. It's past history in the city. So kind of that, that him kind of coming to, he had this life and all these things, and now it's kind of decaying. And then being in a city that once was really beautiful and one of the meccas of Europe, Eastern Europe, and now it kind of at that time, and there's repairing it, and it's a beautiful city, but it kind of had that facade of decay to it as well. Yeah, no, that's really true. And it was one of the reasons why I picked the setting. I mean, I had lived in Budapest at that time, the mid 1990s, which was a fascinating time to be there because the Russians had just left and they had occupied the country for about 50 years. So um, my husband and I had visited. First, we went to visit and we were just so fascinated. And it was kind of a time when a lot of Americans were going over there and discovering Eastern Europe. Um, but it was it was like stepping into a time capsule for sure of going back to 1950s. Um, and yet there was this extraordinary beauty of the city, the river, the Danube, um, the bridges at night, the lights. And then you would still see all these buildings pockmarked with bullets from the wars. And that was intriguing to me. So I didn't write this book until nearly 20 years after we had left. We lived there for about a year and a half, a year. Um, and so I didn't, when I was there, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to write a book that's set in Budapest. I mean, as a writer, everything is material, you could say, mm -hmm. at least for me. Um, but it didn't come to me until almost 20 years later as being the right setting for this story. Mm -hmm. Because of that mix of 
sort of decay and beauty and yearning and a lot of my experience there, uh, not knowing the language as well. Um, there, there's just, there's a lot of depression there in the country for the Hungarians. Um, at the time they had the highest suicide rate in the world, wow. their tiny country. Um, I don't know if it's still true. So I just, what, you know, they had a lot of heavy, heavy history and yet they also were dreamers mm -hmm. and, you know, they have the music and the Roma or the gypsies, but mm -hmm. preferred to call them Roma and, um, and art and, and food and all kinds of cultural stuff. So, um, it was just an intriguing place. Yeah. And for me, obviously I was there many years later, I wasn't over there in the nineties, right after the Russians left like you, but you still, to me, when I was reading it, you captured the city so well and all of the different elements from the Romas to, to this, the prominence of the Danube and how that really just um, dictates life over there and dictates the city. It's, it's just this, you know, it's like kind of living in New York city and, you know, you kind of, equate everything to downtown Manhattan. You know, it, it's the equation of, of, of Budapest is the river and the buildings and the people and uh, just the, the culture as well. I mean, it was just a, a really magnificent portrait of a city. Um, if you haven't been, I highly encourage you to read this book. It's a phenomenal read, but it will also just kind of give you a great feel of Budapest itself. What year were you there? I was just there last year. Oh, how great. Last, we were there last September. We went, I've always wanted to go and we finally made it there in September and we had a wonderful time. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, it's a very walkable city too. It is, it is. And you know, um, and maybe we can talk about this real quick. It, it, once again, we're kind of veering off topic here, but you know, one of the things, you know, going to Budapest, you kind of heard, oh, be careful and this and that. But we had a lovely time in the city. The food scene was vibrant and the people were wonderful and welcoming. It, obviously, you lived there kind of as it was coming out of that communist block cloud. But what are some misconceptions you think that people have about Budapest? Oh, gosh. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure I could answer that. I think I think everyone seems to be intrigued about it. You know, it, you know, it, it has a sort of aura of, of kind of magical mystery about it. And I think that still remains. So I think probably, you know, Americans, it's always good to travel and just, you know, we wanted to go somewhere that was not typical, at least at the time. And then, you know, you get there and you find out, oh, there are people and, you know, they go to restaurants and they stroll with their kids on a good sunny day. So it, it sort of, uh, it brings it down to something familiar and relatable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and a really, really a beautiful city and you captured it so well. We'll talk about your writing because your writing is just phenomenal. Um, the way you capture people and you create um, this urgency as a reader that you want to get to know these characters, you know, what are some of the fundamentals that you think create fiction like that, that is so compelling for the reader to read? Well, that's a broad question. And I think uh, there's probably a lot of answers to that question, because I think what one person may find compelling, someone else 
may or may not necessarily. I mean, we have so many diverse types of, of stories um, mm -hmm. and people and stories to tell. And, you know, there's people who love the thriller and there are people who, you know, love, um, I don't know, they're just romance, whatever, just yeah. different types. But I think um, in my case, so I can maybe just speak mostly for my, mm -hmm. what I seek is I am interested in character. I am interested in, in relationships. And I like to, to go deep into uh, the thing that I loved as a reader, as a child and continue to love is, is how an author can bring me so deeply inside, um, inside the world of, of people that are maybe different than I am. Um, and just learn how people feel and think, you know, um, in different centuries, perhaps, um, if you're someone who loves historic fiction. Um, and so it, it sort of captures important moments, whether that's emotional moment, um, but I like to bring them all together, emotional, spiritual, um, mental um, mm -hmm. struggles of people. Cause I think we're always dealing with those kinds of challenges so you know I think that there has to be something driving the character a need to understand figure out fix uh, remedy you know make something just that they think is was unjust you know find out the truth so that that is going to take the reader along for that ride I think right there, if you were to stop this podcast as a listener, I know with me, I, I've got my listening worth just with that question. But in addition to your extensive writing, you've also taught writing and fiction workshops. To you, when you are teaching writing workshops or fiction workshops, what do you want to get across to inspiring writers on how to create books or stories that really bring the writers into that tale? I think helping each person find their authentic voice and really get to the core of the story that they're trying to tell and what really matters. So, um, you know, there's so many different elements that make up a piece of fiction. So, you know, it's, it's the characters, it's the setting, it's the tone, it's it's the time and place, you know, all that and, and the relationships and what the dilemma is and what the challenges are. So, um, you know, writing, writing a novel is a, is a major undertaking and process. And there are lots of different stages to it. So there's that, that messy first draft and you've just got to get it out on the page. So again, depending on where that writer is, what stage they're at. Um, and so just at that point, um, trying to really find out what is the core of the story and the story, you know, there's beautiful writing and a story and, and the, the best is when the two come together. I love that. I love how you just said there's beautiful writing and, and a story and the best is when those two come together. I love that. And yeah. that's one of the things you have in Strangers in Budapest is uh, beautiful writing and, and an incredible story. And you talked a little bit about the setting of Budapest in that story, but what inspired you story-wise um, to write? Yeah, that's, you know, great question. Um, so I had a lot of things that were kind of swirling around in my head. Um, I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, I was... I, 
thinking there was, there were a number of things that happened. I mean, I grew up in a house where my dad was a, a World War II veteran and a, a Jewish war veteran who actually helped liberate Dachau, one of the concentration camps in Germany. So I grew up with that knowledge and that story and knew that he had gone through that. Um, and it'll, that'll figure in in a moment. And, uh, you know, I have also ancestors, grandparents that came from Ukraine, as a matter of fact, um, and left, you know, to come to America for personal freedom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, and I guess I was thinking about America and our, our way of, you know, we're kind of a violent country. And uh, that's become even more and more obvious. But um, so then another thing that happened um, was I had a, I did have a neighbor who lost a, um, an adult child and didn't really know what happened. And there was some mystery around that. And that was kind of like the tipping point of all these things, wondering me thinking about violence and, you know, history and all this kind of stuff, murky. But when, when I heard that story, I went home thinking, what would it do? What would I do? How far would I go if I, if, if someone had perhaps murdered mm -hmm. my child? I mean, you know, and, and I'll say also that I was had had written a profile of, of a woman who had lost her son um, from a gang like crossfire in, in the city. And I had written a, a cover story for the Boston Globe about about that. And she had started a foundation and she talked about the anger or either either, you know, you have rage about that, the unfairness of that, or you become very depressed because you're overwhelmed. So all these things were in my head. And I just thought, well, how far would I go if that happened to me? And you never know how far you're going to go. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think maybe having lived in Budapest at that time and, you know, thinking about Budapest history and being Jewish and all that, again, murky stuff that was that always floating around in my head kind of came together. And, oh, I could tell this story of this older man who is going to find out the truth about his daughter. How far would he be willing to go? He's a war veteran. Um, he's, you know, when I asked that question, how far would, would I be willing to go? Or, you know, would I cross that line, that mm -hmm. line of violence or not, you know? And, you know, there is a gun in the book. So I've never written a book about that had a gun in it. And um, I would guess I wanted to address those issues and questions through, you know, the creation of a story. There had to be a storyline, so how to work it out. So that was kind of how I got started, you know, and then it was many, several bunches of years to put it all together. <laughs> and it comes together beautifully. And I, I like how you, um, well, I have to phrase this properly, the gun in the story for a while there, it almost becomes its own character in a way because you, you he, you know, he has it. And then you're wondering what's going to happen with it and how it's mm -hmm. going to play out and with the climax and it, and it does kind of take on its own weight within the story, having that implement of destruction there as yeah. they're starting to implode um, mm -hmm. into the book. I, I just, as I said multiple times, I just really loved the book and, you know, it, I took away so much from it, from the, you know, 
going after something because there are some characters in the book and I don't want to give away that are going after something and really never becomes realized to themselves it, it just they never you know it, it's not a, one of those and everything works out perfectly at the end even though it is a beautiful ending and then there you know another takeaway I got from it was really kind of how how the the world we build for ourselves in our own minds and how that can kind of just take us down these various paths. But when writing this book or when thinking of it now as the author, what are you hoping readers take away from this book after reading it? Um, well, I love what you said. Thank you um, about, you know, carrying these worlds in our minds. And I think I guess that would be one thing I would want them to 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 uh, walk away with is to think about these worlds and in, in this you know we all carry our past, our present, and you know desires for the future, how we feel about the future. We're always walking around with those sort of you know that that time mix, which I'm interested in that cycle, um, and I I think I hope that they will ask questions about these characters and the decisions that each character makes, um, sometimes frustrating or not, and try to put themselves, what again, what would I do if I were in that situation? Because it's so easy to sort of sit on the sideline and say, oh, I would never do that. But it would, is it really true? Or can you think of situations in your own life that uh, maybe you wish you had made a different decision and why did you make a particular decision? So choices, I think. Um, and also, I guess, an appreciation of the difficulty that we all have just living life. You know, sometimes things happen to people that are, you know, forever scarring. Yeah. And so I hope that there's compassion, that there's a feeling that, you know, we, when we look at someone, we, we, we know that we're not looking at the whole story. They appear one way, but there's maybe something completely different going on. So but that would be a few things that I would hope for. Absolutely. And I love how your one character is kind of that voice of compassion through the whole book. She she views the world through compassion. There's a, a, what I took away from it. And then there was another character that views the world through suspicion. And mm. then there was another character that viewed the world through just opportunity. What could he get from the world? And mm. just looking at those very disparate viewpoints and how that caused everyone to see where they were at very differently, but also then how they interacted with each other. I just thought that was magical. Mm. Oh, thank you for putting it that way. I like, I like that. <laughs> Well, well, that makes me happy. I love it when I speak to an author who I who I just really respect their work and and uh, I, I'm reading it the way they meant for it to be written because it is a beautiful book. So I don't want to keep you too long, um, but just a, a final question, just, you know, looking at your your work and what is uh, what you're working on now, which I do not know about, but what are some things you're excited about? Um, either past in your career or future in your career? Or, uh... Well, I'm always looking ahead, you know, now I, I'm in the present here. So um, I'm grateful for the books I've written. And I did just complete a new novel. Uh, it's called Evening Begins the Day. And um, once again, I am bringing together uh, family, in this case, two families that are struggling. They each have different kinds of uh, kind of a crisis, trauma, 
Um, I always go back to that sort of thing, whatever's difficult for people. Um, and in this case, I really wanted to see how people could find a way toward forgiveness and healing. Um, the two families, one is a troubled teenager who's about to drop out of school in her senior year. She's overwhelmed by the world. And it's set in 2018 Boston before the pandemic. And uh, the other fam family is a, a woman who's fled her longtime marriage because she's learned that her husband has had an emotional affair and she's trying to deal with what that means. And I was interested in an emotional affair because it's sort of out there. It's not sexual, but you know, it's, it's a set, it's betrayal. Mm -hmm. And so I take them all on their own journeys and they, they're, they're next door to each other. So they kind of intersect. Um, so I guess that's what I'm excited about right now is, 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 you know, the drafts written and I'm, you know, sort of revising at this point. So. It sounds phenomenal. I can't wait until it is published and be able to read that. Cause that just, you know, everybody has trauma and everybody has their own, um, you know, I remember someone saying, you know, you, when you look at someone, you may not think that what they're going through is a big deal, but it's a big deal to them. And so we always, all of us have that big trauma in our lives, whether we see it in someone else or not. So your books hitting on that, I think we can all relate to no matter well, what level. It just, it goes back to the beginning of time. And, and in, in this case, in my new novel, I've, I've, um, modeled it after, or I'm using a structure called the counting of the Omer, which is this ancient Jewish um, tradition of counting 49 days between when they, the Jews flee slavery to when they receive the word of God. And it's mm -hmm. not religious in that sense, but trauma is, is emotional bondage. Yeah. So I'm interested in how we can shed that and free ourselves. So. I love that. I love that. Oh, I can't wait to read the book. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, I, I appreciate your time so much and your words. Uh, just phenomenal speaking with you. Oh, thank you, Cindy. I really appreciate it. Really love that interview. And as Cindy mentioned, Jessica Keener will be leading our Wordy Traveler book club discussion in July. So if you're a Wordy Traveler subscriber, please head over to the wordytraveler.blog to learn more. And we certainly hope to have you with us. In our next episode, Cindy spends some time with an author from our very first podcast episode, Suzanne Simonetti. Since speaking with Suzanne the first time and featuring her book, The Sound of Wings, in a previous Wordy Traveler journey, The Sound of Wings has gone on to be recognized and win numerous awards, including becoming a USA Today bestseller, Next Gen Indie Book Award winner, NYC Big Book Awards Distinguished Favorite, and took first place in the Pencraft Book Awards. Cindy's upcoming interview with Suzanne covers a number of topics, including the writing process, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So please subscribe to the Wordy Traveler podcast on your favorite platform. Each and every episode, we discuss books, travel, and everything we all love. To learn more about the Wordy Traveler, please visit thewordytraveler.com and consider joining a community of readers who have a love for travel and a heart for giving back. We invite you to join us in helping to make the world a better place, one book at a time. We look forward to being with you again soon on our next episode of the Wordy Traveler podcast.